Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 102 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yashbika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. Before we get started, we got to mention our jerseys. I know mine is probably Manchester United. I don't have a ton of jerseys, but Tyler's rocking Liverpool, and you may wonder why. Yes, it's because we're fans, but also because, as we will talk about later in the show, Manchester United and Liverpool fight for basically top of the league. United right now, top of the league, Liverpool in second. I never thought I'd be saying that. But this Sunday, they are fighting it, uh, fighting for the top of the league um, in the Premier League this Sunday in the Premier League. So it's 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 going to be an exciting matchup. Probably the biggest one since we've been friends that it's been this high stakes because usually it's always been one or the other. But this game is going to be really fun. But I, w- I wanted to quickly mention that before we kind of jump into the episode. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much going to be the majority of what we're going to be talking about. It's a big matchup this weekend. We have a couple things about the big uh, the big six when it comes to Tottenham and Arsenal, the two North London clubs kind of struggling right now. Couple um, quick transfer news that is, that has been happening in the Premier League, but that's majority of the of the things we're going to be talking about. So to jump in, we have to quickly mention that Manchester United are top of the league with thirty six points. They are number one right now. That's right. If you check the Premier League table, they are number one after 17 match days, I believe. I never thought I would see the day that Manchester United would be top of the league at this point, especially if you asked me during the start of this season when they lost to Crystal Palace, got blasted by Tottenham. No one thought this was possible, but somehow they've, scla- they've scratched, their clay- they've, they've clawed their way into the um, first position and to top of the league. And I have to give credit to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for that. I know I gave him praise in the last episode, but they are starting to pick up wins that aren't exactly the most, you know, glamorous. They're starting to pick up more of those scratchy wins that a lot of title winners or title contenders pick end up picking up um, and winning. They're winning a lot of 1-0 games, a lot of 2-1 games, the games that are coming down to the wire where they need a big block from their defenders or they need a big save from their goalkeeper or they just really need to dig in as a team and you know fight for each other and they're doing that and the team spirit is there each time they pick up one of these wins you can just see players like Pogba, Bailly, Rashford, Bruno, De Gea they're all in this together they're all starting to you know have that big team spirit and you can see uh, something kind of fun and just nice forming it's something that I haven't seen as a United fan and it's just nice to see that team chemistry and that kind of that that cohesion that a lot of good title contenders and title winners have. I'm not saying they're going to win the title, but you're starting to see a little bit of that that winning formula starting to come back a little bit to United. But uh, I I go on and on. But Tyler, you know, as a Liverpool fan, you know, a lot of people still say that Liverpool and City are probably the favorites to kind of take home the title. But Liverpool have been slipping up recently, and I guess for you, it, it must not be a nice thing to see Manchester United um, in the first place right now. Seeing Manchester United first place right now, it's uh, it's a sad world. Very sad. <laughs> I can't believe Manchester United are on the top, let yeah. alone in the title race right now. Of all things, like who would have thought if if you were to say at the very beginning of the season it'd be a title race right now between Liverpool and Manchester United and Man City, I'd be like, what? Man, you, and they'd be at the top right now. I'd be, I'd slap you. I'm. I, <laughs> <laughs> Not no one anticipated this. Even at the beginning of the season, you're still going off like, "Oh man, you was, and like I don't know if Ali's the where, right person to be at the wheel. Mm-hmm. Like, still a lot of things we need to fix in the back end, in the office, and then the front end is like showing why it's all going wrong. But right now, they are scraping away those wins that they shouldn't be winning. I feel like there's all those games where it's like they win one nil or they win two nil or two one. I will say a lot of a lot of people, a lot of those Twitter pundits, I would say, are <laughs> saying VAR is very much on their side. A lot of penalties to Bruno Fernandez, I would say. But nevertheless, hey, I, 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 the, my, my thing for that is that title contenders or title winners make their own luck. We saw it with Liverpool last year. There were a lot of times where they didn't play the best. I remember that West Ham game where it looked like they were going to lose, but somehow they found a way to win. In the past two seasons, you saw Liverpool get wins where it just didn't seem like they were going to or the whole game it just didn't seem like they were going to win but you just they just had something in them that could just 
find that one goal, find that one pass, just make that one block. And wherever you go, people that win titles, they find, they kind of make their own luck, as they will say. And yeah, there are a lot of games that maybe Manchester United have been getting a little bit lucky. But at the end of the day, as Mourinho would say, I know Mourinho is not the manager. A win is a win when you look back at it, you know? Um, exactly. So it's one of those things that they're, they're, they're just somehow finding, finding a way to win. And I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, for the defense, the defense has kind of gotten a little bit better, I would say. It's not been as shambolic as it was in the beginning half of the season. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the players finally getting their legs underneath them. The midfield is starting to work a lot better, um, not leaving as big of a gap in the midfield. Um, and in terms of defenders, Eric Bailly, this man has been a renaissance in his career this season um, because a lot of uh, this whole... His whole Manchester United career, if you were to ask any United fan, they all love this guy. I love him, but he just gets injured so much. And, you know, it's always every year, it always seemed like there was a knee injury or a back injury or something that always held his career back. But luckily, for some, somehow, some way, he somehow managed to stay healthy for a good bit, uh, a good chunk of games. And he's starting to perf- uh, form a really good partnership with Harry Maguire. I mentioned in the last episode, Bailly has that that pace that Maguire doesn't. So it oftentimes they just balance each other out where you have Maguire who can just kind of sit back and be more of like the, the reader per se. And Bailly can be more of the aggressive type and use his pace that can kind of help back him up. And Bailly's also a little bit, I would say reckless, but in a kind of a good way where he's not afraid to get a block in, or he's not afraid to use any of his body parts to block a shot. And we've seen that in the recent games that that's happened. So I think Bailly coming back as a center back partnership with Maguire has helped United a ton because unfortunately with Lindelof, he's still kind of slow and he really has not taken that leap that I thought he would. If you were to ask me during our first season of recording the premier pod, when Lindelof looked like he was the best of the bunch, but really he has not taken that next leap that you would want to see for him to be like a top quality center half. He's basically kind of bang average. And I think Bailly has uh, definitely went over him in the pecking order. And you can see with Solskjaer's um, selections that he's preferring Bailly over, um, over Lindelof and Bailly has a good um, relationship with Paul Pogba. So, you know, I think Bailly is one of those underrated pieces that coming back in has helped the Manchester United lineup. So, when you say making your own luck, I think uh, I think Bailly has to do a lot with that because I love the guy. He just he, he just plays with so much passion when you see him in the center back role. It's like who would have thought that of all things too the defense for Manchester United is doing well. <laughs> I know, but you have to really also give a props to the medical staff of Manchester United because no one really is injured. Yeah, that's a big thing. You got to knock on knock, wood, knock on wood right there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Your star player, Bruno Fernandez, the key player. Yeah, Rashford's been healthy. Yeah, Rashford, Martial, usually the two culprits. Yeah. Are still healthy. Pogba's healthy. And you know, you know defense, what's crazy? McGuire, like the captain, has played ever since last season when he signed for United. He's played almost, I think he's played every single minute of Premier League action since signing for Manchester United. And he hasn't gotten injured. I think that's, that that's, just really good signs of durability. I'm just quite, sh- I'm just shocked sometimes when I, when I see that stat, because it's amazing to think that in these games where everyone's getting clustered in so much that Maguire has been able to play every one of them and still manage to stay healthy. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I will say big shout outs to the, the medical team, but I think another big piece is um, Paul Pogba starting to gel in a little bit better in terms of the team. Uh, he scored. He's been scoring a couple goals. He's been just p- playing a lot better overall as a midfielder. He's making better passes. He seems like he's just, his head is more into the game. And Marcus Rashford, I said this before, but he, I feel like he's starting to take that next step of being just a more consistent player. He's, you know, he's gone from the guy that just has a lot of pace where he could maybe do, maybe score a screamer here or there or do, do a couple of things. I think he's starting to add more consistent deliveries with his assist and goal tally. Then Bruno Fernandez, we said it before, but he's the catalyst. If there's no Bruno Fernandez, I don't think Manchester United are in the top of the league right now. Um, as good as they have performed as a team, Bruno Fernandez is the, the guy that has lifted this team from, um, teetering into top four into perennial title contender. So big shout outs to uh, Bruno Fernandez. Y'all better not win the title. <laughs> He's so depressing. I mean, like, oh my. But I will, I do want to echo what you said, where 
I feel like the overall attitude of the star players like Pogba definitely has improved. Like they have that desire to win now. I feel like it's the opposite now of right now. There's a star basketball player, Kyrie Irving for the Brooklyn Nets. He's basically treating his job on the Brooklyn Nets as like a nine to five. Like all of a sudden (laughs) he's just like, "Ah, I don't want to play. And then he's just, you know, taking time off. (laughs) It's like he's literally (laughs) treating his career as a basketball player as like you know a regular person's job and just taking vacation days for it and Mm -hmm. Pogba I felt like before he kind of had that same mentality where he's like oh I'm guaranteed like they need me and there's definitely room for me to just do whatever I want and so it's like if I don't really feel the game it's this upcoming weekend it's like I'll just do whatever I want and just like not really show up but now there's so much more competition and there's a lot more reliance on you actually performing well to get in that starting 11 that now I think Pogba's kind of turned up. And if he doesn't, you know, make that star winning goal like he did this past weekend, or if he doesn't make that big impact that he would off the bench, then he's not going to be able to play. Mm-hmm. And that kind of lowers his value. So he's kind of starting to see that now. It's like, oh, shoot, I don't have that immunity anymore. And it's starting to show. And the new star, the me- new main guy, Bruno Fernandez, is also feel like helping facilitate that because like oh shoot i'm not even the star player anymore it's bruno (laughs) yeah i think it it, you know that has a lot to do with it and one other thing that's been very interesting is that one signing that i thought would make a a much bigger impact at united this season than he has is donny van de beek he's basically been riding the bench this whole season he's played a little cameos here and there and from the from everything from what, what i'm seeing in the camp is that he's a good player they want to play him but he's just the 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 midfielders they have he basically would have to occupy bruno fernandez role and you 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 can't really justify benching bruno fernandez for donny van de beek even though van de beek is a very good player he's unfortunately kind of in this position where there's just too many good midfield um places and unfortunately there's just like we have a plethora of midfielders but there was a rumor that inter milan were looking to loan danny donny van de beek in and then united Basically, like they should, said no. And I don't know what Inter Milan is doing <laughs> trying to get every single ex Premier League player there is on this planet to get to or particularly, yeah, even or Manchester United players. player. Basically, yes. <laughs> he's not even like an ex player yet. He, yeah. He's barely played, so I know it's a little too soon for Inter to be coming in, you know, getting <laughs> a little test drive of Van de Beek. Yeah, but I really would say too that that's also a consequence of everyone being healthy. It's yeah. like when you play FIFA career mode and you have that bench player. It's like, hey, boss, I haven't had an- enough minutes. Like, I thought my role here would be a little <laughs> higher. Get some more minutes in here. It's like literally no one's been injured. You can't play. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the person in is better than you. And he's We're not going to just sub him out. So I feel like that's been a key thing, too, for Ben DeBake. But that's crazy to also kind of quickly going back to your stat of Maguire being one of the most played players in terms of minutes in yeah. the past two seasons because usually that would go back I remember when that was a stat that was more heavily tracked like Ivanovic and like John Terry like that was like the key stat mm-hmm. for Chelsea and they're they're the players that played the most minutes and that's why Chelsea's defense was so good and having that solidity just always having a player there as opposed to like you know Van Dyke, who hasn't really been playing much this season, and like Joe Gomez, like at Liverpool, there hasn't been that solidity, and like the, the defense has really been slipping because of that. But mm-hmm. now, man, you're starting to get their form because you know everyone's playing, and yeah. unfortunately, because of that, other players can't play. And we're going to talk about the transfer news later, but you know, you got some people already moving out too, so yeah. So it it's um it's been a culmination of things, but I, I remember talking to one of our friends, Alec, who's a big Manchester United fan, really big one. Um, I remember I would I was talking to him throughout the season, and he always told me this was back, I think after they beat Southampton or West Ham. Um, he said he wouldn't be surprised that you know give 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 them some more time, and he wouldn't be surprised if they're in a title fight. So he was right from the get go. His biggest thing was that United came in with no preseason at all because they they not got knocked out of the Europa League really late on. They had the little mini vacation and then they had to jump straight in without a preseason training. And that he said that was probably the biggest, um, the biggest thing that affected their form. And I I think, you know, now looking back at it, it probably was a big factor because you could tell that everyone's legs were just kind of uh, sluggish and slow and such, but you know, I'm going to write it as, as long as I can. I'm going to, you know, be with pride that Manchester United top of the league for right now, but 
moving on to uh, kind of a small topic right here is Sheffield United. They finally picked up their first victory in the Premier League season. Yes, they finally picked up their first victory. And after match week 17, they finally pick up their first victory. And it was against Newcastle. Newcastle United. I think it was a 1-0 win. Um, but, you know, I have to give a little little clap to Sheffield right there. You know, congrats, guys. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe the Blades can take this and, you know, maybe, you know, make some form and potentially get out of the relegation fight. But they're, what, nine points off the regular, the uh, 17th place? Nine, nine or more points off? So, it's a big ask. It's a big ask. And unfortunately, I don't think Shuffle United fans that you guys are going to get out of it. So this could just be one of those. You just got to take your winnings when you can get them at this point. Nine. Yeah, I can confirm nine points behind Brighton. <laughs> that's a lot of points. That's a lot of points, but that's also three wins. Three, which three, for them, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> three times more than what they have now. So they they have some momentum, I guess. Yeah. Because they also beat Crystal Palace in the game before. Yeah, so in the FA Cup, right? Yeah, uh, FA yeah. Cup. I believe so. Yep. Um oh, no, they beat uh Bristol Rovers, my bad. Yeah, in the FA Cup. So they, they did pick up a little bit they of form before the, the Newcastle game, but yeah, like Tyler said, it's a big ask to ask a team that didn't win the entire first half of the Premier League season to win to pull off three wins in a row in the Premier League. I think it's a, a little too much, but I wanted to quickly mention for Newcastle, I have uh some people that um, that are fans of really big fans of Newcastle United on Twitter, and they were calling for Steve Bruce's head, and I I have to agree, Steve Bruce was his side sat back this entire game against Sheffield United, against a team that hadn't won a single Premier League game this season, and they decided to sit back, and that's kind of been the biggest thing with uh, Newcastle. They have, I would say, Newcastle is a pretty quality side. They have decent players um, in positions like Ryan Fraser, Almi Roan, Callum Wilson. Um, Lachelle's I mean they have good players I would say in their um, in their starting 11 in their squad but unfortunately I think you know Newcastle used to be in the recent season they kind of used to be a team that you didn't know what you were going to get in terms of are they going to be relegation side or mid-table but I think they've stabilized themselves enough to be in a point where they can maybe make a move to go a little bit more ambitious and try to get into those top places but also they don't have the uh, the best of owners, so that probably has a lot to do with the uh, the lack of ambition in the club right now. But I, I would like to see Newcastle kind of be back in the top of uh, some of the Premier League elites because uh, they are a very historic club in the Premier League. They have arguably the greatest Premier League striker of all time played for them, Alan Shearer. So it would be nice to see Newcastle United one day get back to the top. Mm-hmm. They have the classic black and white striped jerseys mm-hmm. that just go the two all the way back. A Toon Army, all those people in the northeast of England. Yeah. But I will say, I know there's certain talks from just like other podcasts and like little interviews I've heard from players that kind of, as we kind of mentioned before, like, you know, football is a job. Mm-hmm. And there's certain jobs, I feel like, even in real life too, just like the normal people jobs, <laughs> where, you know, you're not the top company, you're not just always striving to be the next big you know founder of the next big thing or the next mm-hmm. new era or like you're not like the the company is about to go bust like sears or whatever there's some <laughs> companies just in the middle they're just trucking along it's just very stable and i feel like newcastle is trying to be that kind of stable team where they're just always in the premier league but they're not necessarily going to get relegated nor are they ever going to win the title they're just always going to be at that little area where like Crystal Palace has been the past several seasons where they're just like in 12th place or 13th place. I think that's what the owner, Mike Ash, is kind of looking for. He's just like, you know what? As long as we stay in the Premier League, it's cool. And there are probably certain players on that team that saw that as the goal of Newcastle and thought, you know what? This is a pretty stable gig. I can just get a career out of this. Just play a game, lose a few, ruin a few, not get relegated, get my paycheck every two weeks or so get my wages in and then boom yeah set and then you just play premier league every single weekend and then if you win a game then it's like cool you lose a game it's like all right that's just what we do too so i think that's what's going on over here so maybe that's what newcastle's like but it's a very slippery slope because you know there's certain teams that were you can't get too complacent and lazy otherwise it'll catch up to you you'll end up like you know stoke yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was an old staple too in the Premier League that just yeah. kind of hovered in that area, and then they got relegated all of a sudden. So mm-hmm. you never know. 
But unfortunately for Newcastle fans, I think that's just what's going on. You just having to be supporting a team that as of right now with the owner and the manager, is just, just kind of chugging along, just cruising. Yeah. Content just with that, where they are. Yes. Just the, the company, the team that's just still there. It's just, yeah. it's like, oh yeah. It's like, they're always there. It's like, they're not, you know, <laughs> not making anything bigger, you know, going down or anything. It's just, they're just there. Yeah. That's, just a, that, that's a good analogy. I didn't really think about some of those players maybe getting into the Newcastle uh, contracts because of that whole idea of the stable <laughs> stableness and stuff. It, it could play a role, but yeah, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what's been going on with Newcastle. But uh, we wanted to quickly mention, this is kind of FA Cup news, a little out in the open, but Manchester United also drew Liverpool in the FA Cup. So that's another big rivalry matchup we're going to be expecting soon. I think it's happening oh. in two weeks, actually, or really soon. Um, so Manchester United played Liverpool in the FA Cup, but we wanted Peter to crouch. Why? Yeah, just <laughs> Peter Crouch was the man in charge of the FA Cup draw, mm-hmm. and he drew this matchup of all matchups. Yeah, I wouldn't be as upset if it wasn't so soon after the league match because yeah. it makes it not as what's the word climatic, I guess. Yeah, because like now it's like oh, there's gonna be two. Mm-hmm. It's like <laughs> it's like having two of something just kind of reduces the intensity of just having just one. Yeah, if that makes sense. Where you know it's like, oh, this is gonna be the big match. It's like psych. There's two. <laughs> yeah. Then, then my, two meanwhile, meanwhile, city got like a city get another easy draw somehow. I don't somewhere. even know who they got. That, that's believe. that's what I'm saying. No one knows. And then oh, no one's not in the Premier League. <laughs> oh man, but yeah. Oh yeah, Chel Cheltenham. Yeah. Me, no, no offense, no offense, but come on, come, come on. on, it's like yeah. Marine FC. Yeah, how do how does City always get the easy group in the Champions League too? Always getting like some random team that they can just steamroll through, and then they get the round of sixteen and such. So that that's I, a, I will, I will say they did lose to Lyon. Yeah, they did, <laughs> last they, season. So. Yeah, they did. They did. They did uh, bottle their chance there, but. That's another conversation for another day, but we All wanted the to podcast episode, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we, we wanted to quickly mention the uh, big six and sort of the disappearance of uh, two certain North London clubs. Um, you could throw in another club, but we kind of already talked about them last uh, last week in the last episode. But we have Tottenham Hotspur, the almighty Tottenham Hotspur that were supposed to roll through the Premier League in the month of September. If you ask any any pundit in the month of September. Uh, Tottenham had just beaten Manchester United 6-1 at Old Trafford. They were rolling. Hyunmin Son and Harry Kane were scoring plenty full of goals. And Dombele looked like the second coming of uh, uh, midfielder. Just the second coming of like one of the all-time great French midfielders. Um, the defense looked great. Uh, Jose Mourinho looked like he had his mojo back. The old Jose Mourinho of old. And then now... They have only won one game in the last six league matches, and it has not been pretty, I will say. Um, I've checked Tottenham Hotspur Twitter, and a lot of Tottenham fans are just really upset because they recently drew to Fulham, I believe, and they took a 1-0 lead to Fulham, and then they decided to sit back. And then a lot of um, Tottenham fans were not happy with that because we they basically made the argument, why are we sitting back with a team that is in the relegation zone? We're trying to fight for the title, um, and we're sitting back, but Unfortunately, Tottenham fans, you just got to get used to it. That's Jose Mourinho for you. You know, I I dealt with it as a Manchester United fan. His it, it's weird because his start of his second season at Spurs is almost identical to his second season at Manchester United, where they got off to a super flying hot start in the month of August and September. They were scoring, you know, four, th- three, four goals a match. They were, their defense looked rock solid. Mourinho looked like he had man management. He was happy Mourinho. And then October hit, and then it kind of, it, the momentum was just lost in a sense because it, then all these stories of Mourinho getting unhappy with players, blaming players, the style's not there. They're not scoring goals. It's boring. They're just sitting back all the time. The same thing's happening at Tottenham. They just sit back too much, and um, Mourinho's once again putting blame on players and such. So, you know, Tottenham fans, this is this is what this is unfortunately what you get with uh, Mourinho. You get a bit of the bite, but you also get a bit of the uh, the the um, uh, the repercussions from it. You just get you just get <laughs> a kind of a boring side a lot of times. So, uh, Tottenham fans, it's kind of what you get with Mourinho. It's never going to mm-hmm. change. That's yeah, you get what you. What you pay for, basically. 
Like, what do you expect? It's like it's Jose Mourinho. Of course, he's going to try to win a game his way, mm-hmm. whether it just be one nil against a Fulham side who's second to last place. You know, our our good friend, listener Sung Min, he's a big Tottenham fan. He was on the train of just basically saying he's like, I'm I'm done with this team. I'm sick of watching them. I wish Poch was back. If Poch was here, we'd be in the top of the table. It's like that's why they Poch got rid really of him. That's exactly. They- I was. I was like, he had a falling out with like the team. Like he lost the team in the locker room. Like they weren't really playing for him anymore. He's like, no, it's, at least it would be fun to watch. I'm like, man, literally. You like, can't have both. Ago, you can't have both. A month ago, you guys were like just winning everything. And then now it's there's been a slump. And I mean, that's, that's literally how it's been in the Premier League. It's just you lose a few games in a row and then boom, you drop from title winners or potential title winners to eighth place, sixth place, something I, like I, that. I think it's the, um, uh, you know, oddly enough, I actually think it was a loss against Liverpool because I think they weren't in perfect form going into that Liverpool match. But if they did win, I think they would have been a couple points off first or something like that. And then when they lost that, I think the wheels just kind of went yeah. off the rails at that point. Off the wagon. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they lost another game, I believe. And then they just can't get out of this rut. I mean, they've won a game. They've won one game during that time, but they just can't get out of this rut that they're in. This really... um poor bit of form and such and it's weird because son i feel like son and kane are still scoring goals here and there but they just can't keep the clean sheet that jose Mourinho wants they're a little unlucky i would say at times there's a lot of good chances that were made especially during the fulham game but just mm-hmm. Ariola, the goalie for fulham was just on his head just saving everything it was insane <laughs> but even then there's a few times when son hit the post mm-hmm. kane just missed a sitter and it's a lot going on for this Tottenham side and the expectations are pretty high because, you know, as some men, a Tottenham fan was saying, he's like, we we need to win a trophy. That's big, like FA Cup, Europa League, the league, something like that. And I was saying, man, Tottenham haven't won a trophy in the past like decade. Y'all about to win this like energy drink, like domestic cup, just win that. At least I'll be one trophy. <laughs> the Carabao Cup, they're in the Carabao Cup final with Man City and Honestly, for me, if they won at least one trophy, that's like a start because literally the whole joke about Tottenham is their trophy cabinet has just dust, cobweb, cobwebs. Yeah, it's just, it literally just have a, a trophy case for. No there trophy. was an illustration by BR Football because Pochettino during this past weekend, oddly enough, he won his first trophy with uh, finally won his first trophy as a manager with uh, PSG, and they made a, a illustration of Tottenham's trophy cabinet, like you just said, with the cobwebs, and then PSGs is just filled with trophies with Poch being all happy and everything. So <laughs> it's kind of just a. Uh, it's funny comparing the two, like how two clubs are totally different when it comes to winning trophies. Mm-hmm. I will say PSG definitely have it a little easier to win mm-hmm. trophies, but it is a little bit of a sting too because Spurs, you guys are in your prime. Kane's 28 years old and he hasn't won yeah. anything yet. And Son is also in his prime too. Yeah. Not not to mention so, Aldevarod is getting old. Lourdes is getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, so they also have, you know, good people in their prime but they also have players that are kind of you know you would say probably maybe like you, you don't know how many more years you can get out of them in terms of being a high level high level player and such exactly and you know you do have like a few young players coming through like reg we like that was an insane cross during that game and then also yeah. you got harry winks but even then there's not really that next star coming up either so you know maybe you got bergwine but he's not really starting every game either so mm-hmm. i feel like for tottenham just, just there's lamella Yes, they have Lamella. <laughs> they still have him. But I feel like under Jose Mourinho, they have a pretty good chance of possibly sneaking away this Carabao Cup from Man City because Jose Mourinho in finals is really good. And usually against Pep Guardiola, he he can stack up against them. So I feel like that would be my idea of what success would look like for Tottenham this season, at least. If they can just win one thing, just to eliminate... Part of the memes, although it's not a big trophy, it's a trophy, mm-hmm. and I feel like you can't be can't get greedy now. Can't yeah, get greedy. <laughs> I, I agree with you a little bit, but I I will go the other way because I think the whole reason I know Pochettino kind of lost the locker room and such, but the whole reason you made that big move from going from the team that's all about the project to the team that needs to go win now is you brought in Mourinho for that win now mentality. And the whole idea of him giving him this war chest of money, him being here, is just to win 
um, the big trophies. They want to win. Like That's why they went really ambitious. I know the Carabao Cup is still a trophy, but I think if you're Tottenham, the reason you brought in Mourinho was to win the big ones. You know, you want to win the big ones. You want to be in the competition and in the uh, in the fighting, you know, being the puncher's chance for those big trophies. And unfortunately, they're not right now. I know the Premier League is kind of wacky that you we could be talking in a couple months from now, you know, Tottenham are in first place or whatever. You just never know. But as they've been playing in the league this past month or so, if I'm a Tottenham fan, I, I don't know if I'm very confident that they can go in and win the league with Jose Mourinho as their manager. And unfortunately, if they do, if they can't, it's kind of a bust, I would say, because, you know, when you make a big move like that to sack Pochettino in the middle of the season to bring a manager as like Mourinho, who is very, I would say, what what's the right word? Very... What's the right word? Not egotistical, but very, very uh, captivating. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's the enigma. He's the guy. When you bring him, when you bring in something like that, you have to take the uh, some of the consequences consequences that you get with that, which is you get a lot of player fallout, a lot of drama that ends up happening. But in the flip side, you kind of use that as okay, we're going to take the drama, but we're only going to take it where if we can win something. And when he was at Manchester United, yeah, he won the Carabao Cup, the Community Shield, and the Europa League, which are granted big. Europa League is, you know, that's a pretty good achievement, but he didn't really get, he didn't win the Premier League, he didn't win the FA Cup. And eventually that drama and such just overwhelmed him and it just created a, to- a toxic atmosphere. And I know things are kind of going, you know, holly jolly right now at Tottenham, but if he doesn't start winning and he doesn't start winning some trophies, I think it's going to create another toxic atmosphere. And unfortunately for Tottenham, it's not going to look pretty because the whole reason to bring Mourinho is Mourinho in is to win the big titles. And if he doesn't win that, I think I agree with Song Min. Actually, I think it will be a bust for Tottenham. Dang. Yeah. That's a very good point. For me, I was just kind of more thinking realistically. It's like, you want that, but nah. <laughs> just so many other better teams right now. It's like, I'm sorry. You're, Tottenham is going to fall into Yush's prediction where it's just going to be a little bit of a toxic cesspool with Jose Mourinho because I don't, I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to do it. If there's a season to do it, it would be this season because look, look at the title race. It's like seven teams at this point. Like mm-hmm. Anyone can win it. It could be a very much like a Leicester kind of season where just some random team just pulls through because everyone is trash right now. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately for Tottenham, they're just not, they're not taking advantage of it. And Mourinho, yeah. it's so weird because Mourinho, you would think Mourinho is like the perfect manager to take advantage of everyone else slipping up, but he's not. He's slipping him. He's slipping up himself. So it's uh it's not a good look for Mourinho and Chelsea. We've obviously talked a huge bit about them in the, in last week's episode. So you can go back to that about Frank Lampard's troubles, but they're in ninth place right now. They're not looking too good right now. And Arsenal, who just drew against uh, Crystal Palace, are in 11th. And um, it, for me, what's most shocking about Arsenal, I know they had a good bit of form, but they were talking about this in the broadcast, which I, I kind of agree with that. You're kind of looking at a mid-table side where the their star, quote-unquote, star performers such as Obama Yang, the big players that they pay a big money for, like Lacazette and such, are not showing up. They're not creating the chances they need to. So that's what's leading to a lot of um, troubles for Arsenal. When you see a team like Manchester United, when they were sc- struggling, Bruno Fernandes was always you know, creating chances or scoring goals or fi- finding a way to get them forward. Marcus Rashford was doing the same, but for Arsenal... It's the youngsters that are doing that. And I haven't seen enough from Obama Yang or Lacazette or those big players that they pay a lot of money for stepping up. So uh, Arsenal, I, I don't think, I, I think when the season ends, I think they'll still be in mid table. I, I don't see them kind of going into the top six the way they've been going. I see that too, especially with the Arsenal fans finding out. It's like, man, our transfer budget got slashed so Kroenke can pay Jared Goff. <laughs> what <laughs> the QB for the LA Rams hey I mean oh my. if you're looking at it I'm not trying to be mean to Arsenal fans but LA Rams right now in the divisional playoffs with a chance to maybe get to the Super Bowl they're closer yeah, to like, winning a title than Arsenal are right now poor guys yeah Arsenal's getting the blunt end of the stick but <laughs> you know I feel like it, it was a season that a lot of Arsenal fans are probably expecting even the most cynical of them <laughs> so i don't think it's gonna be much european football going on for them next season chelsea that's i still think that's a slight surprise seeing them yeah. in ninth 
But of the top six, or not the top six, but the big six, the quote unquote big six of Liverpool, Man U, Man City, Chelsea, Spurs, and Arsenal, they're just all over the place right now. And we're already halfway through the season. Yeah. So that's why we're also saying, like, Yesh and I both have agreed, kind of like jumping around it, but this is a very, very random of a season. And we have no idea who's going to win the title at this point. It could be anyone, but. Yeah. For me, I don't think it's Spurs. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree. And I think one team that we have not talked about enough is Man City, unfortunately. Um, I know we sometimes we joke a lot about City having like the big oil money and everything, but they have quietly snuck their way to towards the top of the table by picking up, like racking up wins in the Premier League and just picking up their form. And we mentioned it with John Stones and Ruben Diaz forming a really, really good partnership. They kind of formed that spine that has been missing for a long time at Manchester City. They're forming that right now and their offense is clicking. So, and Pep Guardiola obviously has a pedigree. He's won the Premier League twice, you know, back to back before. So if there's a manager to do it, he's one of those. And I think, you know, don't be surprised towards the end of the season that City find themselves at, at the top or fighting for it with the top three. So um, Manchester City are a team to look out for right now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I do I want guess- to quickly mention as well, since talking about the big six, Liverpool right now, I still think. Yeah. Unless they do something in this transfer window to pull in just one center back, please. Just <laughs> one center back so we don't have to play Jordan Henderson at center back or Fabinho at center back. That will definitely help in the title race. A lot of Liverpool fans have been, you know, voicing their their opinions on Twitter, of course, and saying if that one center back helps secure the title or potentially help secure European Champions League spot then it will definitely be worth even like the two million in loan fees or whatever. Because right now, Liverpool's defense is a bit of like a joke, in my opinion. It's just literally, it's like a musical chairs situation. And compared to what it was last year, where it was like a fortress, now you got players like, and from Fulham scoring, you got players from like the like lower half of the table who couldn't. Yeah, there's a kid from off. Aston Villa who's like 17 years old. Yeah, That's Louis cool. Barry, like the son yeah. of Gareth Barry, he just scored on us, and I was like, <laughs> dude, they Aston Villa literally played their U23 squad against almost a full squad in Liverpool, like maybe partially their B team still in terms of defense, yeah. and we still conceded. I was like, all right, this is a little embarrassing. Why well, you got you guys want Phil Jones? No. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> you want to prevent goals, not let in more. What the heck? So that's the thing. I was just, that was kind of a red flag, especially in the FA Cup when Aston Villa just put the U23s and we went into the half 1-1. I was like, all right, we can't be doing this. As the, the champions, we can't be doing this. We got definitely something in the chest, even as like a few coins laying around to get at least one center back from this transfer window. Even if it's on loan, like Edir Militao is one of the rumors that we've been getting a lot of from Real Madrid. He was a big move from Porto and Liverpool faced Militao in the Champions League during the knockout stages, I believe two seasons ago. And they faced Militao. Militao scored on them. So I feel like that'd be a big upgrade compared to what we're scraping through with now, you know, the, the latest center back pairing of Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. So you know, Militao would be an upgrade. And I feel like in the short term, definitely it would help. But I feel like that's a good transition also to just the transfer news because we are in January now and the transfer window is open Yeah, for the next two weeks now. Or kind of crazy. It just, it kind of, just came, it snuck up on us. really did because the last transfer window went until October. Mm-hmm. But already in midway through January, halfway through this current winter transfer window, a few moves have been made. We got Sebastian Haller. He has moved from West Ham to Ajax. His his best moment is that bicycle kick for West Ham, and that's it. He's that's not it. done anything since he moving was a, from Germany. He was a star striker for Eintracht Frankfurt when he was over there. He was one of those... Wasn't that the big, same club Jovic is from? Yeah, Luka Jokic. He just Jovic. went back, right? He and just, he also, yeah, Luka Jovic also went back from Real Madrid on loan back to Frankfurt because he's not doing too hot now either. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it was just the chemistry at Frankfurt that's just the reason why they're doing well. Maybe there weren't as great of a players as people were kind of noting. Or the expectation be, and such. Yeah. Maybe the expectations, as just was saying, might have just played too much in their heads. But 
even then we're starting to see those two strikers in particular from the same club leave at the same time and now kind of seeing the same fate. But I actually be a pretty good team for Haller because, you know, Eredivisie is still pretty good and they always, you know, get that Champions League. It's kind of like the, the company thing. It's like, oh yeah, Ajax is usually in the Champions League. Yeah, no, they're good. <laughs> this is a free title. They're almost solid. They're solid team. Yeah. And then he'll definitely develop over there as well. Mm-hmm. But that is a big move, in my opinion, because West Ham paid a lot of money for Haller and they're making a little bit of a loss on him going away for 24 million pounds now. But this next transfer that we have on our little list is Diallo going from Atalanta to Man U. Yeah, I remember you guys mentioning him. Yeah, 23 years old. He's like younger than me. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, he's he's 18, 18 or 19. He's very young. Oh, okay, I was going to say, I was like, wait, that's not much a project player. Yeah, I can he's be very, a project very young. player at this point. Very, very young. <laughs> It was um it, it was good that they got him in because they were um uh it Atalanta were trying to doing their they were doing their best to try to keep him for the whole season but United really wanted him in January so I think I think with their since they wanted him so bad I have a feeling that obviously he's gonna have to take some time to develop but I I it wouldn't be surprised if we see him kind of sprinkled in a couple times in the first team action um because I think. They, they wanted him to get here faster, obviously, to acclimate to England and get you know used to the coaching staff and stuff. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of him in first team action because they still also have another project player they bought in the summer, Facundo, uh, Facundo Pelestri. Um, Uruguayan, he came in, obviously, in the summer transfer window, but on deadline day, we haven't seen him featured in the first team, but he has played for the uh, reserve team and the other under 18 or under 21, I think, for Manchester United. And he's looked pretty good, but he has yet to feature for first team. He's trained with them, but hasn't obviously featured in game for them. So I'm excited to see what Diallo can do because he's a right winger. Um, United don't have a right winger. Obviously, we're not expecting him to be this guy that's going to come in right away and you know score so many goals and such. He's a project player, but if he can develop into something, I think it'll be... Um, super fun. So it's it's kind of exciting times right now for Manchester United because we got like some some young players coming in that can maybe make a difference in the future and such. So I'm excited for this move. Man, for him. Rip Dan James. I know. I'm going to ride the bench a little longer now because now yeah. you got more, more competition. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I know there's been a lot of criticism going towards Dan James. You know, obviously, you know, some of it rightfully so. I think a little bit, some of it's a little bit harsh. You know, he came in from tw- he came in for 20 million pounds from Swansea and people were expecting him to be the next Ryan Giggs and I'm like guys just because he's Welsh doesn't mean he's going to be the next Ryan Giggs like there's a reason he's 20 million pounds from Swansea and such obviously he's young but I- I'm unfortunately you know he's just one of those players like he's probably he's not going to probably develop into being you know a-, a star and such he's he's a solid player but he just you know, he just needs time. He's he's still young. He has a lot of pace and such, but he just needs to get better at the final product and such. So, um, it's just one of those things. He just he'll just have to develop. But I think uh, a lot of people are just losing their mind because they thought he was going to be the next Manchester United legend. I'm like, you, you guys need to calm down. <laughs> people need to he's calm even, down. He's not even left footed. <laughs> yeah, they need to like so. calm down and like lower their expectations a bit. Um, so that that's the Dan James stuff that I have. I I you, you got to give the kid a break. I would say, but well, speaking of other kids from Manchester United, Timothy Fosu Mensa also has I, made a move. You'd be surprised. I think he's like twenty-two or twenty-three, actually. Also, he's like your age. Yeah, he's not oh like he, he's not he's not super young. I, he kind of reminds me of the Ruben Loftus Cheek thing, where we think he's super young, but he's actually like decently aged a little bit. But I think this <laughs> move is good for him because, unfortunately. Whenever he has played recently for United, he hasn't looked the best on left back or right back. I know he can play in the midfield as well, but he just doesn't look the most confident in terms of passing and going forward and such. But I'm excited to see how he develops at uh, Germany. I know it's a he's going he's moving permanently there. It's not alone, but um, I think he'll be a good asset for Bayer Leverkusen going forward. I think he's mm-hmm. a solid player, but I unfortunately it just didn't kind of it didn't work out for him at Manchester United. I think it'll be a good move for Bayer Leverkusen too because. Like a good friend of ours, Andres, he's a big Bayer Leverkusen fan. Mm-hmm. And whenever we play FIFA, we have to use Bayer Leverkusen players. And <laughs> I will, my biggest criticism for them is they have no pace in the defense. Okay. Also, brings a little bit of that pace. Yeah. Brings a little bit of that Premier League, you know, physicality as well. Yeah. Brings when, that Dutch uh, quality too. He's a Dutch Yes. Man. 
So I think that'd be a good move for Bayer Leverkusen. I'm excited to see him over there and big, big move for Andres. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to that. And then the next that we wanted to also mention was Islam Slamani. Yeah. One of the big I, I, players. I forgot that, he was still playing for Leicester. I didn't even know he was still at Leicester. Yeah. But he made his move to Lyon. Yeah. This was a guy they bought after they won the title when they would just went ham and like spent five. They just spent like money on a bunch of forwards like Musa, Ahmad Musa, that guy that just had bags pace. of pace. <laughs> um, then they bought Slamani. And then they, uh, didn't they, who's that guy that was supposed to be the uh, Remy Gazal that was supposed to be Ra- oh, Riyad Mahrez? <laughs> Times, he was supposed to be the Riyad Mahrez replacement. But this was like during that era where Leicester were just kind of going ham and spending money like crazy. It was kind of racist of them to do. It's like, let's just find the next Algerian <laughs> like dribbler that from we can France. find. From uh, France. Yeah, from France that looks like Riyad Mahrez. Like, oh, yeah, Gazal, there we go. And um, then it's like, wow, he wasn't Riyad Mahrez. Okay, <laughs> I, think I, just, I, I think it's trying. To, I I just remember this one moment, like he like tried to cut in, like finesse, like Mares does, and he just ended up like skying the ball up in the uh, what you call <laughs> Rose the signature great value brand of Riyad Mahrez. Giselle. <laughs> but at least for Slamani, he had a lot of pedigree actually going into the Leicester job, where he was a pretty prolific score in the Liga Nos, the Portuguese mm-hmm. league, or. Sporting, so it was kind of a surprise that he couldn't really solidify a spot in that Leicester team. But I think it was more so that Leicester plays a lot differently, where they just kind of pace pace the front with Vardy and then just feed him. But Slimani is a little too slow, but he'll probably get a little bit more on Lyon. They just got yeah. rid of Dembele. Uh, he went to the Athletic coach. It's crazy. Yes. So Lyon's kind of replacing that with Slimani. I think it'll be all right, but not too much info for that. We're just kind of bringing him out from the grave because. That was surprising to me. Yeah, but, I, like I said, I forgot he even played for Leicester. So <laughs> that's crazy. And He's then Tyler, old now. Yeah, Tyler found this uh, random one, random player yeah. I don't know about. Uh, Charlie Brown to From MK Chelsea. Dons. Yes, it's just simply on the fact of his name. It's kind of <laughs> uh, kind of funny to see sometimes. Just what you're not expecting. <laughs> this yeah. chance is like Charlie Brown. Yeah, because there's I think there's like a Michael Jordan that plays football and such. So there's there's a. Uh, there's just like names of famous athletes that are not that play a different sport than the than the than the name that they um, have. So it's mm-hmm. just funny seeing that. So good, good luck to Charlie Browns at MK Dons. We wish you the best. Hopefully, <laughs> we talk about you more in the future. But you know, best of luck. And then a bonus extra one that's kind of more a rumor, but I know Pochettino at PSG is Ooh. trying to potentially bring Deli Ali. I think it's like, I think it's actually like a serious serious interest. Like Pochettino really I, wants him. I feel like that would be a good move for Deli Ali because he's literally just in purgatory right now a bit at no. Tottenham because he, he kind of reminds me of Julian Draxler. Remember when Draxler was supposed to be the next super world world beater and then like it just kind of fell off a little bit. Then he went to PSG and now he's just kind of. I mean, he's decent, but he's not. He he's not you know That's Neymar hard. level. Yeah, exactly. That's what he was. So, so here we go. Add another one to the list. Deli Ali, welcome <laughs> to PSG. You can join Draxler and the loss of potential. I know Lucas Moore was on there at one point, and then he's he got to him oddly enough. Exactly. I mean, uh, that kind of shows that I guess eventually you're going to see Draxler and Deli Ali at Everton. Then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But that uh, that kind of rounds up a little bit the the transfer rumors we had real quickly. But moving on to the preview section, um, kind of quick, but also a little bit more in de- depth in this one, just because obviously um, we have a pretty big game this weekend. But we wanted to quickly mention these other two. We had Leicester Southampton. This is a pretty big one because if you didn't know, Leicester and Southampton are actually in the top six right now, I believe, or they're gunning for those top four spaces and. They are two of the teams outside the big six that have been probably the most consistent out of all the teams. Um, it, it's going to be a fun matchup because I think both managers kind of play similar style of pressing and, you know, playing really, you know, attacking football, being, you know, very aggressive and such. So I think it's going to be fun, but I, I think I would have to give the edge towards uh, the better side with a little bit better players, which is Leicester with uh, Jamie Vardy, James Madison and such and company. So I'm going to go with Leicester 2-1 beating Southampton at home. Ooh. For me, this is the battle of the Alpine or as we call him, the great value brand of Jurgen Klopp who <laughs> defeated Jurgen Klopp just 
a couple of weeks ago versus the guy Jurgen Klopp replaced in Brandon <laughs> Rogers. So it's a very big matchup. And also these two teams, Leicester sitting in fourth place, 32 points, just one point behind Liverpool. And then Southampton at 29 points, just three points behind Leicester. So it's a lot closer than a lot of people suspect when you mm-hmm. see this on paper. It's like, oh, they actually are doing pretty competitive. Southampton has kind of taken over Wolves' position of yeah, actually fighting. I feel for like the Wolves not having Jimenez has ruined kind of their season this year, for sure. Yeah, they're kind of tanking for Tua right now. But <laughs> right now, I think Southampton have a pretty good momentum as well. Like, they have a pretty good chemistry with them. It reminds me of, yeah, like Frankfurt, where it's like a lot of kind of meh players, but there's a really solid squad. Leicester kind of the same, but just a little bit better quality. But I think with momentum right now, I feel like Southampton, I don't see them losing. I think Alex McCarthy could be on his head as well and just like get those crazy saves. Didn't they play Fraser Forster against Liverpool? Yeah, they played Fraser Forster. I didn't know that guy still was at the club. That guy was used to be like the OG back in the back in the day. And then he just somehow lost his place. Then he went to Celtic, right? For Rogers. He was, I believe, from Celtic. Okay. Man, he was a he was a regular back in the day. He's huge. He's like six seven. Yeah, but. I just remember when I saw his name on the team sheet. I was like, "Whoa, Fraser Foster is playing again!" I <laughs> I was like, I didn't know he was still playing. This is crazy. He's just reaping those checks on the practice squad, you know. <laughs> He's like literally Taylor Henneke. <laughs> but I think it's gonna be a one one for me. That's my prediction for this match. Oh, okay. So I'm going 2-1. Tyler's going 1-1. And then next game, we have Sheffield versus Tottenham. I think this game is pretty big because Sheffield just picked up their first victory in the Premier League and Tottenham are right now. Um, the wheels have fallen off their uh, their train right now. So they're kind of, they need to pick up some momentum. Sheffield are hosting Tottenham. And I know we mentioned that it's going to be difficult for Sheffield to pick up three wins off the cuff like that. But I think they could go in and they could actually pick up a draw against this Tottenham side because... Sheffield can keep a clean sheet if they all perform together, all work together and such. I know they haven't been able to do that recently, but last year they showed that they're still able, they're a good defensive team when they can be. So I'm going to go 1-1. I think they can somehow keep it close enough and I think they could nick a goal um, from this kind of fragile Tottenham defense right now. I was going to say the exact same score. <laughs> I was going to say because Tottenham right now are playing to the level of their opponents, yeah. which is what you never want to do. Well, I, I also say they're playing like not to lose and not playing to win almost, if that makes exactly. sense. They're playing very conservative. It's like very early stages of like Kirby Smart era at UGA. It's just <laughs> like you have the players to defeat Sheffield. It's just you're just playing lose. down the level. Let you're just trying, to, you're trying not to not lose. You're playing scared. And unless you're Sheffield... You know, you can play to the level of Tottenham, and then that'd be a lot cooler than Tottenham playing the level of Sheffield. But I think because of that, it's going to be a foreshadowing seeing that Fulham match this past weekend against Tottenham. It's going to be a 1-1. And Sung Min, I would like to also say that he said if they were to lose, if Tottenham were to lose or draw, he will buy a candle with a picture of Klopp dressed as Jesus from <laughs> Etsy. So... I really want them to draw or lose so that he gets this one candle. It's, it's in the pod now. He has to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been a, a spoken to existence. Yes, so it's, it's out there now. Um, it's a vocal contract. Yeah. So uh, what, what's the what's the final score that you're going for? One 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 one. Okay, one one again. So we got two one ones on this one. So that would be a fun one to watch. But obviously, we have the biggest one, the biggest one of the weekend. We have Liverpool, Man, Man United. Um, instead of going directly into the scoreline predictions, I just wanted to quickly ask this: uh, What type of game are we expecting? I know um, Tyler mentioned that with the FA Cup news, that the game could maybe lose a little bit of its factor, knowing that these players will have to play each other again in a couple of weeks. But I still think this game has a lot of high stakes in it. It's, you know, Liverpool want to win the league again. Manchester United don't want to give up their spot. It's a big rivalry. It has historic um, meaning behind it. Um, It's never been in this position before where it's been this high stakes. So I think this game will be really, really fun to watch. And, you know, I know in past seasons, the game has been very defensive um, from both managers. But I think we might see... In this game, we might actually see both the both of the teams go for it because if I'm only going to Solskjaer, he's probably going to play McTominay and Fred in the midfield, which is going to make more 
make it more of a defensive game and going to try to hit Liverpool on the counterattack. But you have to see that Liverpool also don't have their starting center backs. They're playing makeshift back lines and such. So I think Solskjaer will have to use that to his advantage and to um, use it. And I think Liverpool are obviously very deadly still on the uh, counterattack on the offensive end. So I think we're actually going to get a pretty exciting game um, for the first time in a while in this rivalry. For me, I'm kind of expecting the same because as Josh mentioned before, this is the first time that at least in our friendship that a Liverpool versus Manchester United match has actually meant something as crucial as the title where it's first versus second. It's not like first versus eighth or fourth versus seventh. (laughs) That's how it's usually been back in the past several seasons. But now this is the first time we're seeing a first versus second. And there's a lot of hype building around this too on social media. A lot of you know, you know, throwbacks to highlights back in the days, like when Torres scores, when Suarez would score, when Gerrard would score, and yeah. all those kind of big, big game winner goals, things like that. You don't really see too much of that. Fellaini getting the last minute one nil header in a four <laughs> shot game total. So I think this is good, especially with Liverpool's defense being so poor right now. I definitely think there'll be goals from Manchester United. I just really hope that Liverpool can really match and kind of show up for this big game. And I usually think big games do kind of hype up players. They mm-hmm. kind of just get out of slumps, get out, get some momentum going for you know things like this. I really think it will live up to the hype as well. I think it will be a lot different from what we usually seen. Like the, yeah. the hope, nails, hope, nails. Hope, or right. we, we usually curse it whenever we yeah. say that. But, <laughs> but I'm hoping, but it, it, I'll, I guess I'll start with the score predictions. Obviously, you already know what's up. I'm going to go 2-1 Manchester United. I know they're playing at Anfield. It's going to be a really, really good game. But I think the way United are rolling right now in the Premier League, at least, I think they can I think they can find a way to win. So I'm going to go 2-1 Manchester United. Whew. Liverpool <laughs> at home have not lost. Yeah, it's been a while. 2018 against Crystal Palace. And they're getting close to losing the past several games, I will say. But to lose against Manchester United at home and to solidify Manchester United's title run in the title race to extend it even farther and to push Liverpool even lower, <laughs> no way. Like, there's no way we're going to let that happen. At home, heck no. I think despite everything that's going on, Liverpool will win this 2 1. Oh, so man. So it was my turn to say 2 1. <laughs> Dang. That, that's like, it could be even 3 1 or 3 2. But I think. I'm just going to play a little safe because we're in a pandemic. You never know what happens, but I'll say 2-1. Okay, so Tyler's going 2-1 Liverpool. I'm going 2-1 Man United. We'll see how this one goes. I remember the last game they played at Anfield. Um, that was when Salah scored that that goal at the end of the game where he took his shirt off and yes. Allison, like came after him. Allison got the assist that game. Yeah. That was, that was like, crazy. It is going to be an 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time game, so I don't think it'd be nighttime for them yet in England. It'd be like yeah, 5.30 I, over there. Or I think it'll be like dusk. Or not dusk. It'll yes. be like, it'll be getting close to nighttime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so mark your calendars, everyone. This is going to yeah. be a good game. This is going to be the big one to watch this weekend. Man. If only if only coronavirus wasn't a thing we had fans, that, that place, that atmosphere would be wild. If Could you it imagine like so Manchester wild. United fans and Liverpool fans like battling it out in this in the stands and so that would be the noise i feel like would just be insane to kind of listen to on the broadcast that'd be crazy but Uh, i guess we're just gonna have to watch this in artificial crowd noise i know kind of a shame kind of a shame yeah but we still get the game which is still the uh still the fun part but it's gonna be it's still gonna be a super fun game i think to watch and i'm we're both looking forward to it it's a big rivalry for both of us so um, we'll see. We'll see which one, which team comes out on top on yeah. that one. But the Premier uh, Pod Derby, as yeah, like to call it exactly. Not Manchester United and Manchester City. It's the Liverpool Manchester United match, um, the Premier Pod Derby. But uh, yeah, with that, that is uh, that kind of wraps up episode season three, episode one hundred two for us. As we always say, um, please follow us on social media at the Premier Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at those handles. We also have a YouTube page where we post the video portion of the podcast at the Premier Pod on YouTube. That will be out on Friday morning. Um, and as we always say with iTunes, if you could leave us a rating and review, that would be great. If you leave us a rating, it helps us. It helps this podcast get pushed out to more people. But 
um, if you don't want to leave a rating, that's totally fine. We appreciate you just taking the time to listen to us. And if you'd like to share the podcast with your friends, that would also be great. Um, share it with one of your buddies or someone else. That would be awesome. But um, that kind of wraps up season three, episode 102 for us. Thank you guys so much for watching. Peace. Peace. <laughs>